A warm welcome to this week's guest, Ellen Gilbert, who's an international divine feminine coach, writer, meditation teacher, and speaker guiding folks to shamelessly claim more rest, pleasure, and community. I connected with Ellen through one of my coach training courses with Coach Training EDU, and I know I've personally always been inspired by her commitment to self-care. I've done one of her online virtual retreats, which included some really awesome journaling exercises, and I think you guys will all be excited to hear what we're going to talk about today. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about connecting with the divine feminine energy, and whether you're a male or a female or non-binary, anything in between, or an alien, of course. I think you're going to understand why connecting with this source of energy uh, will help you fuel your creative muse and uh, live a more authentic, intuitive kind of life. So let's step right into it. Hello everyone, and welcome to Archives for Aliens, a podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth, consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. What makes you tick? I'm seeing like a keyboard and like a person upside down with like like hair going everywhere and like green and purple and then I see my reflection in the shiny card (laughs) all right how do you think this relates to something you might talk about tonight oh my word um (laughs) it kind of makes me think about like perspective because I'm actually seeing my reflection and also it's upside down. So just thinking about the power of uh, the power of perspective, which is so integral to coaching work, as you know, and mindset and the lenses we employ, the lenses we've been handed. So that's what it makes me think of. I like that. You're the first person so far to note the reflective nature of the card. Oh. <laughs> so what's been going on in your mind the past this past week? In my mind. Oh man, it's been a great week. I've had a lot of good energy. Um I was in my inner winter, so I was menstruating earlier this week, and now I'm entering my inner spring. I think today is like my crossover day, so I've had so much creative energy, and um, I've been actually collaborating a lot with people in my network and like having conversations, which is really exciting about future programming and future ideas. Um which include all things divine feminine, 
definitely working on a cycle awareness program with a dear friend who is a yoga teacher, which is really exciting. And I'm also looking into and, um, gaining inspiration on possibly becoming a doula, which has been really sweet. So dropping into all things, menstruation, birth, really just what it is to be a human with these, with this reproductive system that I have. And just all of the, all of the wisdom that's overlooked and even demonized that comes, that comes from that. So it's been, it's been a really good week. That sounds very interesting. So when you say winter, I don't know what you said. You said something about seasons, winter, summer, within the cycle. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, I would love to. So, I mean, first of all, everything is cyclical. So a feminine kind of approach to the universe and to life um, kind of assumes that there's a natural cycle and everything is reborn. And this is mirrored in, you know, the physical nature outside of our window with the four seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall, and that we can actually find that seasonality and that cycle of rebirth mirrored in our own energy, especially as someone who has a menstrual cycle. And so when we look at the menstrual cycle, which tends to be 28 to 35 days long, um, actually coinciding with the lunar cycle. What we find is those energetic signatures really align nicely with the four seasons. So the inner winter refers to the bleeding time, the time when you're actually menstruating and your hormones have completely flatlined. Um, And so your energy is really low. It's that season of coziness, of darkness, darkness being very regenerative and healing and really a season of death, but not death in a scary way that our society makes it out to be death in a way that kind of holds space for our dreaming and our visioning. And a lot of bleeding people find this very like magically potent time to do ritual and to vision. So that's winter. And do you want me to go into all four of the seasons? Yeah. I think this is really interesting. (laughs) Why don't you? It changed my life. I've never heard of this before. So yeah, I say go for it. All right. So spring and, and it's different for every bleeding person. The key is to track your own cycle and find where the days are for you. And some people who are on hormonal birth control actually still swear that they have all four seasons happening in their body. So just trust your own experience. Like that's key. Spring is the post menstrual pre ovulatory phase. So it's the hormones are climbing up again. Estrogen is climbing, climbing, climbing up to that peak ovulation point. And this is really a season of tender vulnerable, but excited energy. So a lot of initiation, it's a great time to start new projects, to put yourself out there, but in a careful way, cause you're still, you know, you're coming out of the period cave. You're a little tender and not quite sure of the outside world. Um, 
it's a really sweet time. And then that takes you to ovulation, which is usually one day. Um, and then from ovulation, you have the following week as your inner summer, which is a time when a lot of people who bleed feel most at home in their bodies, because quite frankly, especially as women, we are socialized to be always giving of ourselves, always serving and loving and taking care of everyone. And so the summer is actually the best time for that. We're at our peak energy and we have tons of oxytocin and we're just feeling the love. We just have, we can be super, super women in this, in this space. And then it can be really hard to cross over into the, into the inner autumn, which is the premenstrual week. Um, and I think everyone knows when they're going into that week, kind of what their tells are, but basically your progesterone is rising. Um, your body hasn't quite figured out that you didn't produce a pregnancy from that ovulation. So you're getting a lot of progesterone, which would nurture, um, an early, an early fetus. And so that's like the adulting hormone. So it's a great time to clean and organize and like take care of any unfinished business from the cycle. And then once progesterone, you know, figures out there's no baby, it starts to tank along with the estrogen, which is tanking and, um, everything flatlines. It can be a really challenging dynamic season, but if you kind of play your cards, right. And are aware of it and you remember to really slow down and be super, super gentle with yourself and really set boundaries, it can be not only like a neutral time, but actually a really wonderful time for coziness and then kind of prepping for that, for that bleed again, which starts the cycle all over every single month. (laughs) That's so interesting. It sounds so much like the lunar cycle. Mm -hmm. I've been reading up on the lunar, lunar cycle a lot, actually, this week, ever since I discovered that I guess I've been trying I've been paying attention to the full moon and I've been I've been doing like a full moon ritual with myself yay and then I noticed because I grew up Jewish and I have a Jewish calendar in my house and all of a sudden I was like wait what this is a different moon and that totally made me want to research what's going on with the moon so apparently in Judaism, they celebrate the new moon, which is like when the moon is dark. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I thought they were all the same thing. So then I went into all this lunar research to figure out what it was that I was actually doing. Wow. I would love to hear more about that. Like what in Judaism would the ritual be for the new moon or what's the connection? I've never heard of that connection with Judaism specifically. That's really cool. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to share what I know. I've never been very religious, but I did go to a Jewish elementary school and middle school. And I have a lot of family members that are um, very much like practicing a lot more than me. But what we always did in my school is we'd have, I think we'd have like donuts and we'd have like a celebration and it seemed like a party day. So it, to me, it kind of had the same energy, I thought, as the, the full moon does, yeah. um, kind of like this day, this intense day to celebrate yourself and celebrate life. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, it connects to the menstrual cycle. Yeah, exactly. So the, the dark moon, the new moon relates to the inner winter, right? It's the time of darkness. We can't see the moon. She's always there, but we can't see her during this time. And so it's a great time to set intention and to kind of be super introspective and reflective on what you truly want. And then that, you know, the crescent waxing up to the first quarter would be relevant to the inner spring, a time to initiate new actions on whatever it is you're attracting to really take action and be super creative. And then the full would be just like that big egg (laughs) that we're ovulating. It'd be like the inner summer time of gratitude and celebration and pleasure and like just being at your maximum turned on state and then waning down again to the third quarter would be like into the inner autumn, the premenstrual phase, a time for, um, again, reflection, integration, kind of closing out the cycle before the reset happens again. So it's, yeah, they yeah. align beautifully. They're, they're kind of like inverses. The biggest thing I got from what I learned is that like the new moon is more about like planting the seeds and the full mm-hmm. moon is more about like celebrating that the things have blossomed, which I thought was yeah. super cool. Yeah. And really, I, I started like this full moon ritual just because I know myself and I have a tendency to not do such great self-care. So I was like, okay, if there's a full moon, this is something that I can't push off to another day. Like mm. it's happening on this day. This is going to be my special time here. That's so that's, so that's what I was doing with the moon, but now I'm really into it. Yay. I love that. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And I know you're, you're like the queen of self-care. Wow. I will take that title. Thank you. I, I think you are out of out of anyone that I know. Oh, that means a lot. And I'm I'm super excited to get to know you better here tonight. Me too. This is so fun. And I did I missed this super big question that I've been asking everybody at the beginning of of the podcast, which is so we have to step back a moment. I don't want right. to blow your mind, but what do you believe about the nature of reality? Well, my mind is blown and my brain is leaking out my ears and I can't believe you had the audacity to ask such a question. I've been giving everyone the warning. <laughs> you did give me a warning and I was just like, what? Yeah, it's a good question, Jasmine. I mean, lately, like even late last night, I was talking to my sister on the phone about lucid dreaming and I was like, lucid dreaming is practice for being awake and attracting whatever it is that you desire. And I work in law of attraction a lot. So, I mean, I believe in a benevolent universe. I believe that our thoughts hold enormous potential conscious or unconscious. And I believe that absolutely anything is possible and that the great tragedy of human existence is we are so stuck and clinging to our scarcity that we Mm. can't even really perceive all the time, you know, of, of what incredible abundance exists all around us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really relate to that. The, 
it's like this weird curse of modern human existence that I think we're we're just like starting to unravel it now Mm, absolutely but I mean how much fun we can have and there's so much space for play and for creativity and experimentation with abundance even if you don't totally buy in you can like test out your own little theories and just Ooh, I be love open that. to the results. <laughs> I I love doing reality experiments. Mm. I don't even know exactly what I mean by that, but <laughs> just like trying different different practices, different rituals. Mm-hmm. And I know you you do a lot of rituals. I um, do. But yeah, I'm always just like playing around with different experiments. Like if I do this, what will happen or it's kind of, it's like a game. I, I like yeah. viewing reality as a, as a video game. Yes. It's divination. Absolutely. We're constantly testing our hypotheses and kind of feeling into the body's response to certain questions. Like, is this true or is this not true? Cause we probably already know, but we just need a little more evidence, a little more proof. Yeah. I think to me, it's kind of like remembering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The spiritual process is one of forgetting and remembering. So it is a constant cycle, again, of forgetting and remembering and not judging ourselves for when we forget because it is natural and inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's super important to doing any kind of coaching type work or any kind of spiritual guidance to not, I think to not judge yourself gives you more space to not, not judge others. Oh my God, it's everything. It is the most profound lesson I think I've ever learned is non-judgment and just detoxifying the entire being from judgment. There's a verse in A Course in Miracles that says, today I will judge nothing that occurs. And I try to remind myself of that every day. Of course, I forget (laughs) because we're always forgetting. But um, it's so useful. It's so useful. If we don't judge, then we don't cling and we don't attach. We don't get weighed down. We're just riding on the wave. We're not being tossed by the wave of experience. It's just a better way to live. Yeah. Was there a moment or an experience that pushed you into taking better care of yourself or being in a relationship with yourself? Oh my God, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't want to like reveal too much here, but I have been in more than one abusive workplace scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately I've experienced some trauma and I really had, I had no choice, but to learn to advocate for my needs. And I'm talking like physical needs, like my health, my actual well being. Um, I had to, there was no other option. It was either step up for myself and leave or step up for myself and make a change. And eventually I did step up and leave. (laughs) Um, and it just, it taught me so much. I had so many 
intuitive hits throughout the whole experience that I would brush aside and say, no, like that can't be real. That can't be true. Constant dismissal of my own power, my own wisdom. I internalized the messages that I was handed, that I was useless, stupid, um, you know, inadequate at my job. It really internalized it to the point where one night, you know, late at work, I was like Googling online IQ tests because I thought it was me, you know, I had internalized it so deeply. And then I was like, I know I have something like there was, it really was like a still small voice that was like, no, like something is happening here. And I was also beginning to experiment with Buddhism and with meditation. And I was like, something is true that is coming through and it's wisdom. And I will never forget. Cause I was like, this is intuition because people talk about intuition. I don't really know what it is. And I, Googled (laughs) instead of the IQ test and taking that, I Googled intuition and I was like, what is it? Like, how, how do you work with it? And now my phone is talking to me. (laughs) Sorry about that. Okay. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I Googled like, what is intuition? How do you work with it? And like, what value does it have? Cause I literally felt like I was being punished day in and day out for not having a certain set of skills, but I felt like I had something really, really huge and really important. And it was like, you know, and so I learned about intuition and I learned that like the key to intuition is trusting it and growing it and like feeding it. And so I started to do that. And then I read that like a great career for someone who felt they had a strong intuition was coaching. And so then I, you know, one thing led to another and next thing I know I'm quitting my job and becoming a coach. So (laughs) yeah, everything happens for a reason. And if it hadn't been for that experience or those experiences, I should say, because it was, it was a pattern. Um, if it hadn't been for those experiences, I would not be where I am today. Like I would not be so dead set on helping other people trust their intuition And I wouldn't love myself nearly as much as I do. I would still be caught in that cycle of feeling I was unworthy, which is like the furthest thing from the truth because I am sovereign in my life. And now I live that and embody that every day. Yeah, that's that's actually really an amazing story that you listen to that little voice like, you know, with no other form of guidance. I I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. I was guided. I will say I was definitely guided. I mean, so supported by my husband, by my friends, Hmm. even colleagues who like knew me, um, and by my spiritual practices. So by cultivating, yeah, my meditation routine, going to my Sangha every week, like, you know, really throwing myself into learning about Buddhist psychology, it all aligned just at the right moment as it always does. Yeah, that that makes a little more sense because I'm definitely <laughs> a believer that to make like big successful changes, you need a community. Yeah. Which is something that I, I think it's so cool that you're doing these self-love sermons 
because I think that that brings people in to a central place where people can start to have a conversation mm. that's spiritual but outside of religion. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's so important. Yeah, because we all need to be witnessed without trying to be fixed. And again, with coaching, you know, that is the job of a coach. Like you're holding space first and foremost, your client should absolutely be speaking way more than you. They should be arriving at their own conclusions and uncovering their own intuitive power. And you are witnessing, you are asking questions, but you're not trying to fix. And it's the same in community when that happens and everyone can learn these skills. Like it's, it doesn't have to be something you feel like, Oh, I wasn't born with that. Like, no, you can learn how to listen and actively listen and hold space and witness and repeat back to someone what they said and what you heard and ask them if that was right. We can all learn these skills. And then we all benefit because the power of being witnessed and then of witnessing is that you see, like, I am not alone in this experience. And it's, it's actually like a, it's like a macrocosm of what's happening on in the inner life all the time. If we are willing to go there and really examine our thoughts, um, we have the ability to witness our thoughts instead of attaching and instead of, uh, believing them and taking them at face value. So it's the same, it's the same in community. It's great. It's a great training ground for working with the parts of yourself. And it's so potent and really humanizing. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have to be perfect. Everyone's falling apart. (laughs) Yeah. And I like to think of it too, as just like this ever extending practice of allowing people to have different truths. Mm. just like witnessing their truth but not not trying to change it or adjust it or like implant something because I know in my past like I used to have people doing that all the time and now I'm like no (laughs) what are you doing so I guess it doesn't feel good no even when it's something positive yeah even when people are trying to help and nothing nothing against them but I just think I've learned so much by I guess part of it was the coach training process of just really learning to like accept this person's truth and their wholeness as they are in this moment. And I still (laughs) struggle. I mean, like, you know, every session there's a moment where I can feel within me. It's like a desire, like, well, they have to have this realization before the session ends or else I did a bad job. Mm. And it's, if I can witness that and be like, wait, like, no, that's, that's, that was my realization or that was my journey or my path, but they are sovereign. They are whole. Like you said, like they are on their exact right journey. And I can be a friend on that journey. If they ask me for advice, or if there's something coming through that I ask if I can share, but they can take it or leave it. Like that is their right. Yeah. I like, I like that you ask. I think that's what I've learned too. I know I used to always, I used to be that person, like always telling people, oh, you could drink this tea or you can do this. <laughs> it's hard not to. I know. But it's the, easy, like it, but... it's the easy shortcut in our, in our culture. 
especially the buy this thing that's capitalism for you yes yes we should talk about the intersection of capitalism and wellness it is too big (laughs) (laughs) what are your thoughts well someone actually reached out to me and was like you're an expert in internalized capitalism can we interview you and I think I had written like one blog post at this point like touching on it like touching on it and I you know that inner critic is like you're not an expert and I was like yes I will (laughs) they interviewed me and wrote the piece and um it was so funny but since then I'm like okay if I'm an expert in this like we really got to dig in and start integrating it more into our work and and by our I mean my I don't know why I said that um and it probably mine too Yes, exactly. It has everything to do with wellness and with community, especially. Um, Capitalism is like public enemy number one when it comes to creating authentic community, when it comes to claiming your wholeness and sovereignty, because capitalism wants you to believe that you, who, who do you think you are that you don't need this product? Like you absolutely need this product and you need 20 of them. And you need to become the walking billboard for them in order to be worthy of anything or to even try to fix yourself a little bit um, or to connect or to find meaning or to fit in to this, to this culture. It's, it's so detrimental. I think it's really sad that it's ingrained itself so much into the idea of wellness, health, and even spirituality because it's like those to me are supposed to be like safe tranquil like healing spaces mm-hmm. yeah it's I mean nothing is sacred <laughs> like we we all have to be kind of on our guard when it comes to the overculture, which unfortunately this is the system that it operates within and we're all operating within it. Maybe not all of us, but we are operating within it. And so I think it's really challenging the inner capitalist and, and like asking it like, okay, but like, are you sure, are you sure that that is the path to my wholeness? Are you sure you're not already enough? Um, are you sure that's going to give you the things that you believe you will feel once you attain those items? Um, really complicating it. And you can find that it does crumble and fold pretty easily, kind of like the inner critic. You can kind of laugh at it and challenge it and it will fold. It will pop up again and you'll have to do the process again. But I think it does get a little easier as you go. I hope it does. I mean, I am still so, I mean, I am so ingrained in this system. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I know I'm always trying to like pluck these thoughts out of my head, especially when it comes to creating. Mm. Cause like for me, the creative process, at least the way I view it is pretty anti-capitalist. It's yeah. I'm making a thing. I don't need to sell the thing. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Not the point. Yeah. Happening right now. (laughs) It's literally the antithesis of capitalism. 
It's so yeah. beautiful. It creating is kind of I think my most spiritual practice. Yeah. But even even with that, I find myself thinking all these productivity thoughts and mm. all this guilt about maybe making things that are not really suitable for the market. <laughs> Mm. which is ridiculous really mm-hmm. like you think I want to pull those out but they always seep back in it's like I pull them out I'm like here you are again what are you doing here it's the air we're breathing I mean yeah. we, we cannot judge ourselves for being in this system this system is what we inherited and to see the ways it's taken root in our inner life is uh incredibly courageous like it takes so much vulnerability and courage and the last thing we need to do is identify with it and say like oh I am bad because I thought these thoughts like no like you caught them yes I love to celebrate that and have compassion and that's what arises naturally when we turn toward experience when we turn toward discomfort is compassion comes naturally that's the other thing about capitalism it doesn't allow us any space any quiet any darkness to think an original thought for ourselves you know which is what creativity thrives on it thrives on the quiet Yeah, you need those cycles, just like the seasons and just like the moon. You need you need to have the time of rest, the time of going deep inside yourself. Time of necessary. And capitalism says, no, no, you got to fill every silence, every void with either a product or an experience or an escape or a numbing. Um, There's no room for you because you are not enough. That's what it whispers to us all. And that's why we oh, grab for our iPhone. That's powerful. Like, yeah, it's very dangerous. I think having this much technology and this many distractions available at our fingertips every moment of every day, because we don't have to sit with the discomfort. But just on the other side of that discomfort is everything. Like, is the fruitful darkness and is the goddess, the womb space, the divine mother, like just waiting to blow your freaking mind with all the inspiration and all the blessings you can even imagine and more. Yeah. That's a really interesting summary because I do think I'm now I'm wondering, at least for myself, if I ever do have discomfort in sitting with myself, it's, it's like a fear of I'm not being productive. Like, cause I naturally love to be alone and be with myself Mm. so I wonder if other people might be experiencing that I've never thought about it like that oh they are my clients are absolutely productivity oh it is like the biggest drug (laughs) in the world for us and it's only getting hypnosis maybe yeah yeah on a positive note though here I do think that by (laughs) recognizing it you can throw it out Oh, anything. As long as you become aware of it and don't judge it and don't attach to it, you have the choice. Yeah. Yeah. To to uproot it. Yeah. All right. Anyone out there? Just keep throwing away your capitalism.
tip of the day please just throw it out we're gonna start something new we don't know what it is yet at least I don't know what it is yet do you Ellen well I was talking to a friend last night who is a midwife and she was giving me tips on becoming a doula and she was like I did not charge like anything. It was a pay what you can model. And she was like, I got paid in these amazing adventures and these stories and these friendships. And, uh, she got paid in meals and someone gave her a beautiful print of the placenta that they had made. And she was like, these things meant more to me than anything, like these experiences and the community that I was longing for was my payment. And I was telling another friend today and she was like, the barter system, like we got to bring it back. <laughs> and that's I'm what community is about. That's why capitalism hates community is they don't want us to get wise <laughs> to all of the many ways that we benefit when we step outside our own individual little hamster wheel. Yeah. I really like that. (laughs) Do you have any tips out there for listeners who would like to remove their inner capitalist or find a better home for it? Hmm. You know, I mean, my tips are the same as, as with anything it's to become aware of, of how it manifests in your life. Like what are the messages it's sending you? If it's around productivity, setting really firm boundaries with yourself. And I know it's hard right now, especially if you're working from home. Um, but having an end of the day ritual, having an end of the week ritual to say, Hey, Maybe I've done enough for today, or maybe I've done enough for this week. Thinking of it again as an experiment, like just what if you were to say that to yourself and maybe you need to change your clothes at the end of the day or walk around the block or like make a fancy beverage for yourself, anything to symbolically state like in ceremony, the time for work is over. And now it's the time for literally every other part of my experience. So maybe it's rest or play or whatever you want Um, and allowing yourself all the pleasure you can imagine. Because so often we think pleasure is going to kill us, but pleasure is like the very life force that we all need. And that, yeah, these systems of capitalism and patriarchy and white supremacy would absolutely have us not experience. Um, These are life crushing systems. So we need to fight them with life giving nourishment, pleasure, rest, and so much vibrant community wherever we can find it. I think those are really great tips, especially right now. I have talked to so many people who are struggling to work at home Mm -hmm. and not have work become integrated in every you know microscopic aspect of being which yeah yeah I like I like the idea of the something that symbolizes the transition I it's know. very helpful yeah 
one of the best things I ever did. And I'm really thankful because I have my studio, so I don't technically work at home, but I leave the computer Mm. at the studio. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. It totally changed, you know, my lifestyle at home. Absolutely. Our technology holds such energy. And I mean, I will like smoke cleanse my computer, my phone, my keyboard, my microphone, like anything that could hold that energy or that in my mind, I am associating that object with Mm. a certain way of being not that that way of being is bad, but it has a time and a place and the time and the place sometimes end. (laughs) And sometimes we need to just cleanse, cleanse, release, let go and reset the space. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've rearranged my office like three times since COVID started. Cause I'm just trying to get that reset. Yeah. I think humans do really well with patterns and like symbolic patterns. And that's why I'm a, I'm a huge fan of practices and rituals in life. Yeah. Especially as an artist, right? You got to keep your muse happy yeah my muse oh my I don't know if it goes on any cycles I have not uncovered its rhythm yet Mm. but I do like to listen to it and that's something that I've gotten better at over time going with it cycle of whatever whatever it wants to do or not do at that time (laughs) oh so trusting yeah trusting it That's what working with the divine feminine is all about. The muse is one part of that archetypal landscape. The muse as the divine feminine, as this entity that we have to carve the space and the time for and trust with our whole being and just allow. And she can Mm -hmm. show up as intuition. She can show up as just like a body knowing or like a really vivid dream or, you know, just like a stroke of genius in the middle of nowhere. And it, it is up to us to kind of drop everything and trust and follow her. And it's great practice again for life as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Like honoring yourself to, to trust that stroke of genius or insight when it comes. And yes. I think that everybody is an artist. That's the way I view people. And I think that being in touch with that aspect of your creativity is, I guess, what makes people whole and and sovereign also, Mm. as you said. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And I've been thinking of this a lot, Jasmine, lately. I'm, I'm currently doing the artist's way for the first time. Have you done this course, Julia? I have not actually done it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, this is your homework. (laughs) You are going to love it. Your mind is going to be blown. Um, it's a 12 week course. I mean, it's, it's a book and you do your own self-study and practices, but you have to do morning pages every day. I know that. Yeah. That part's pretty well known. So three pages of, you know, stream of conscious writing, or maybe like setting an alarm for 10 minutes, whatever works for you. Um, and then doing an artist date every week 
which is something Mm. to feed your inner artist and take them like on a date, like delight them, allow them to feed at the trough of inspiration. Like maybe it's watching a documentary you wouldn't normally watch or, you know, creating like a really luxurious bubble bath for yourself with like all the rose petals and like all the witchy things you can imagine or cooking like a five course meal for yourself, like really integrating pleasure, luxury, but also inspiration and maybe even some creation with it. But I've been thinking like, I mean, I've been having like inspiration after inspiration on this journey. I'm halfway through it. And anyone who's done it knows what I'm talking about. Like it is profound. It's funny though. She's, she tries to get you to have like a spiritual awakening. And I do feel like a lot of what she's talking about is like law of attraction and abundance. Mm. So I'm kind of already on that page like with her. And then the realizations that are coming through are all around my art and like my specific business. And it's just so amazing because when you are in this like hustle grind culture of like solo entrepreneur, everything is put is, as you know, in the perspective of capitalism, like everything is around efficiency, productivity, um, you know, doing things that are marketable, creating things that are going to get, you know, sold at that right price. But when you approach it as an artist, (laughs) Your only job is to like take care of yourself and create space and to trust when inspiration strikes. And since I've been operating my business from that point of view, like everything has shifted and I'm just happy. And if I feel good, I'm going to attract good clients. I trust that they're going to feel good on the journey with me. So I like to hear that. It's revolutionary. I, I will try it. I you I don't know how many people have told me I need to, and that sounds amazing. <gasps> I finally convinced you. Yeah, this is the moment. This is yes. the moment. <laughs> We're gonna hold you to it, Jasmine. I know, I know. So that's the cool thing about having a podcast. I, I'm excited for it to to push me to to learn new things and try things I otherwise maybe wouldn't have. So thank Yay. you. Thank you. I can't wait to hear what your artist dates are and what, I know. what comes through for good you. For me. It's going to be really good. People that are like, you know, full-time professional artists still do it like regularly, maybe once a year, like they go through it just as like a tune up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's cool to hear that you're, you're running your business that way too. Um, for a while, I was, well, in the beginning of running a business, I was getting all confused, trying to follow all the natural directions thrown at me by the <laughs> productivity world. Uh, but then I totally did a reverse and I do run, I run my whole business and life kind of from the mindset of an artist. And I actually, I call it my, my ecosystem mm. and the goal is to make my ecosystem sustainable. Ooh. I love that. Yeah, I like it because it's a garden and it can have it can have seasons, it can have droughts, it can have rain, it can have mm. different types of plants and animals. It's not one thing. Mm. That is so okay. That is so anti-capitalist, number <laughs> one. Because we are taught from a young age, like you have to choose one thing. And yeah. we are taught like our, you know, 
even like my husband sometimes is like every day you want to be something different. And I'm like, what is your point? Like literally that is to me, the definition of living in abundance and trusting that whatever the hell I want to do, there is some shred of like divinity in it. There is some piece of it that is good for me and good for the world. And I don't need to be ashamed of it. I don't need to starve it. I can actually follow it and feed it and trust it and trust where it leads. And that's, you know, it's a privileged way of living for sure. I have a part-time job as an admin, like that pays my bills. I live in a very cheap place to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like it is affordable coming from DC and New York. It is like ridiculously affordable. So like I have, you know, I'm in a system and I'm, I'm making the things happen, but then I have the space and the time to follow whatever the hell I want. (laughs) Yeah. It's it. And that is good. I think too, to recognize, recognize the privilege and and I'm very privileged too. different ways. Yeah, I know. you have to. You I couldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I've had amazing supporters and helpers. Mm. And my boyfriend's been an amazing support, too, of my creative endeavors. He always accepts them. Wow. Yeah, it takes a village. It really yeah. does. And it takes people to really believe that art is good for the whole. And it's, you know the artist used to be such a revered position and role in society and poets, you know, used to be really, really revered and sacred and storytellers. And we just, now we have Instagram <laughs> and like, now we have like, you know, the top five things you need to do for a successful business and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of good in Instagram and there's a lot of good people telling honest, authentic stories, mm-hmm. but that the artist just doesn't really get the same, the same social benefits they used to. Now they're kind of looked at sideways, like they're crazy because they're in abundance. <laughs> they're not in scarcity and the air we breathe is scarcity. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like that even with certain family members. <laughs> They're just like, but how, how does this make sense? <laughs> Missing the point. <laughs> they need to read the artist's way. <laughs> I'll make everyone in my life read the artist's way with me. <laughs> it's going to change the world. It's been out for 30 years. I do. Yeah. I do think though, somehow if we can all as a society, like slowly like shift into all like thinking about this ecosystem thing instead of Mm -hmm. businesses and like because ecosystems involve trade Mm. involve all kinds of different energy exchanges and yeah they they rely on community too which I've been I've been thinking a lot about community oh yeah sorry I was just gonna say when we value and allow other forms of payment for our services we're re we're like reprioritizing what we value at the same time. So we can trade something like space holding for something like a meal 
And then space holding suddenly has value. Likewise, anything traditionally involving women's work has traditionally been like the care economy, you know, undervalued. I was having this conversation with someone last night, like during COVID, look at all of the bullshit, like, thank you, teachers. Thank you, nurses messages that are going around when it's like, no one's saying thank you, dentists. Thank you you know, engineers, like, no, a thanks is not enough for those roles, but because this is traditionally women's work, it's undervalued. And it's like, we know you're not getting paid enough. We know you're severely underfunded and we're just going to lay on thick the gratitude and the, oh, we're in awe of you and your selflessness, just like we all do with mothers till the end of like the beginning of time. So what we value, I think has become really clear. And I think we're in a moment where we can reprioritize if we choose. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up too. That's, that's upsetting actually, now that I think about it in that way, because it's like, yeah, you can make a sign, but are you going to do something? I don't (laughs) know. Are you going to pay them? Like, right. Yeah. Are you going to take action? (laughs) It's very upsetting and we should be upset and we should be fighting for these things. There need to be. Yeah. It's kind of demeaning of really now that I think of it. Oh, it's, it's, it's infantilizing and infuriating. So let's all value care work a lot more. And maybe if we do that, we can admit how much care we actually need. And maybe even give it to ourselves. Radical. Yeah, that's interesting how like what we're doing on the outside does 100% represent like the same things that people tend to be struggling with in this country on the inside. Oh, we have internalized the systems of oppression and privilege and greed and shame so much shame, which serves no fucking purpose, but to control. So we've all got a lot of work to do (laughs) internally, and we can also make the external shifts as we do it internally. What's one of the most freeing things that you've done recently? Freeing? I mean, I am free every day. Let's see. Mm, One of the most freeing things. Mm, I mean, honestly, yesterday, like following a thread of synchronicity that has been going on for years, but I've been ignoring and that the artist's way really pulled forward again, which was my desire to be a birth partner. Um, and like the stars weirdly aligned and a friend randomly texted me and was like, would you like to talk about my experience in becoming a doula and a midwife? And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just going to see where this goes. And the same day, my best friend calls me and tells me she's been offered a position, like a really high level position working with midwives and doulas. It's just bizarre. 
like there's just bizarre synchronicities. And so I was like, all right. And I had the conversation and then like, I felt so inspired and have just been dreaming into and imagining this next little phase of being a birth partner. And like, I am seeing visions of myself in this role and it's so surprising, but it's also not surprising. And I say synchronous, but it's not synchronicity. Like it's, it's goddess. There's no other explanation. And it, it feels freeing to uproot scarcity, like in every corner of my life and claim the abundance that's always there and has always been there. And I do it every day. Like the revelations just keep coming. Does the universe speak to you in a certain language? The universe speaks to me in many languages. Music, especially, especially music. I am so moved by music, especially in certain seasons of my cycle. Um, like my inner winter or my inner autumn, I'm just like, I'm crying at every song. Um, the universe speaks to me in dreams. I have very symbolic, very vivid dreams. And I also have daydreams. So I see visions in my waking life as well. And also in my body. I mean, the universe speaks to me in every language. Yeah. It's good to hear. That's what being a mystic is all about is, I mean, by definition, mysticism is you don't need any translation. (laughs) You don't need any intermediary. You don't need a holy text. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a guru. You don't need fucking anything because the divine is within you. So you have the sacrilegious audacity to say, I am divine. So I do know a thing or two about the divine. And so do you. So do we all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's an important thing for everyone to remember. I, I do believe, too, that we have some kind of, I guess I would call it maybe like a codex or something. Some, some I mean, that's a book and doesn't have to be like a written book but <laughs> we have this like algorithm we have this thing this like known thing that's beyond ourselves that's like integrated into us like in our dna in our consciousness mm-hmm. and i don't know where but i know we all have it in there somewhere like a guidance system is that what you're talking about yeah. Oh, yes. That actually wasn't what I was talking about, but I do believe <laughs> that we also have a guidance system. This is more like, and a lot of this is what I paint about, mm. These, like universal patterns or knowings, like these understandings of archetypes and myth, mm-hmm. all these things that are really beyond words, which is mm-hmm. why I haven't yet figured out how to put them into words, but I do. I think that like, we all know these things. Yeah. Yeah. We do. It's what it is to be human. Yeah. And I think when you clear away all the distractions and you're in a place where you can clear out all the distractions, Mm. whatever that means at the time, it's not always the time and place for it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah once everything else is clear and when you're being honest with yourself I think I think everyone knows Mm. more than they'd give themselves credit for knowing Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely I totally agree Jasmine that's so beautiful yeah there's just something (laughs) there's something we know but it's been discounted and it's been turned into like insanity Mm -hmm. and vilified even and squashed out and there's no room for it so we're we're slowly making the room and art is a great way to do that yeah I think I've been reading articles lately I don't remember exactly where but this idea of like the age of the guru is Mm. kind of ending and we're entering into this new era where all people are going to have to like uncover this personal truth within themselves Mm. that's my dream that's yeah, what I'm hoping. Probably why for. I keep reading them because I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go with it. This is the truth because I live it for now. Confirmation bias. <laughs> Be damned. But we'll let everyone else out there uncover whether or not they think it's true. Either way, exactly. I do I do think it's important to get in touch with your own personal truth system. Oh, it's everything. It really is. Because if you're leaning on external guidance systems, then you're not living your life, number one. And you're copy pasting someone else's success definition for your life. And it probably has nothing to do with your unique energetic signature, your body, the feelings you actually believe subconsciously you're going to feel when you get those things. Because when you actually get there, if it's someone else's success definition, you're going to feel empty. You're going to feel the same, which is probably unworthy if you're not even tapping into your own power. So it's time to focus on (laughs) number one, your body. What is it telling you? What feelings do you believe you will feel when you reach whatever success mountain peak you are hoping to feel. And then how can you invite those feelings in right now to whatever you are doing? Because you have the power right now to feel anything you could ever possibly feel. And that is like the definition of attraction, of law of attraction. Invite those feelings in now because like attracts like. So if you believe when you get that job, you're going to feel, you're going to feel free. Then how can you feel free right now? And maybe you'll find you didn't actually need that external thing after all, because here you are fulfilling that damn need for yourself. It's everything. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that experience from people way too many times. Mm-hmm. The getting the thing and then having the emptiness of what it was that they were actually looking for. Hopefully they learned from the experience because it's tragic. Yeah. It's their journey. So. It's tragic. So far, the people I've talked to, I think, have learned. It's been exciting. Because once I think you understand that idea, then you can get the thing mentally or energetically without actually having to go out and get anything. Yeah, and you realize, like, the abundance was here all along. It had nothing to do with external attainment. Like, it's right here. And when you're in that wavelength, 
those things that you actually needed are flowing to you naturally. There's nothing you could ever do to not have them flow to you. Yeah, I think it's not easy, but most things somehow are here now. Sometimes it's not easy to uncover them, Mm. but it can be. We got to trust. And we got to cultivate those experiences for ourselves instead of looking outside of ourselves. And self-care can be a great way to do that, even though the term has been so co-opted by capitalism. Yeah. I also, I'm sure you probably do this too, but I also really like to support other people. Like when I notice them doing something like that, just kind of giving them like a reassurance that like, like I'm on your side Hmm. with whatever it is. That's great. That's so beautiful. We all need encouragement. I know I do. (laughs) That's that's probably why I do it. So I'm like, good. please remind me to, because I will forget in approximately 60 seconds. <laughs> do you ask for that when you need it? I think I do. I do ask a couple people. Good. Well, you are miles ahead of most of us. If you're asking for what you need in community, that's beautiful. Yeah, with my closest people. That's true. Asking. Asking is hard. (laughs) It's asking is the final fucking finish line for abundance work and for law of attraction, because the universe is like, I got it right here. Like I I got it. I got everything you need. You got, you know what you need, you know what you want. And then you're like, yeah, I know what I want. I know what I need. I'm sitting here. I'm manifesting it. I'm, I'm attracting it. And the universe is like, all you gotta do is communicate and ask for it and ask the people who have it or who will help for it. And and we're like, no, like I'm good. (laughs) I'll just sit here and visualize anything, but actually having to say I need help or I don't, you know, I'm vulnerable. Yeah. No, that reminds me. I do a vision boarding workshop but it's like half a vision board. And then the other half is talking about your resources, your internal Mm. and your external resources. And it's amazing how many external resources people have. And, you know, they just haven't been brought up into their awareness. And that's just been amazing to see how many, how many things are available and how many things we're all connected to maybe it's one person away or two people away or an hour away it's sometimes a little further out Mm. the network the power of the network I've been really feeling lately like we think of wealth you know as like security and like financial and all of these things but to me like my greatest wealth is my network and the more I invest in those relationships and in that community. Oh my God. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Like anything I need, I can ask for any connection. Somebody probably knows something or someone with X, Y, Z. Like it's just the proof of that like feminine model of abundance 
and of anti-capitalism and community. Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing about the internet and really Mm -hmm. part of why I wanted to start a podcast was just so that I could have this space to talk to people that maybe otherwise I wouldn't know how to invite them into a conversation. Yeah, I'm so glad you did, Jasmine. I think, yeah, it's great to have these conversations and you never know who you might inspire or what the ripple effects can be. I mean, the possibilities are limitless. How exciting. I'm I'm really excited. And it's like, it's the whole world. You know, I'm so far I've only talked to people in the US, but there's really no reason for that even. I can well, and by the very nature of the name of your podcast, it also might be for people out out of this world. Oh yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's there's so many double meanings in the name, the archives for the aliens. Ooh. Tell me, because I only hear one, which is that Hmm. the aliens are going to come and find this archive and be like, that's what it is to be human. That's the main joke. Okay. And that's why I like that it's just authentic conversations, like exploring the nature of reality, but then also talking about all the things I'm interested in, too. Because it's my (laughs) podcast. Why not? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But then I've also been really interested in this idea of the aliens as an archetype. Like mm. when I've looked at like Jungian archetypes, there's no alien archetype, but I feel like there should be. It's my personal opinion. Because I think that as people, like we've almost created this this myth of like there are these other beings out there. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't, but it's like we're constantly like trying to connect with them or make all these conspiracies about them and to me, it just represents so much of about like who we are as people, kind of like maybe the parts of us that are alien to us and kind of the idea of like integrating those darker, stranger, more otherworldly, spiritual, beyond the senses parts of us. Wow, Jasmine, that's so deep. <laughs> I had no idea. I love that so much. I, I get really emotional when I think about the archives we have created, like the golden record with like mm-hmm. all the sounds. And it it's like this, you know, time capsule for inevitably when life on earth ends, you know, will someone somewhere find it? And we don't know that they will or that they won't. Like It's unknowable, but it's just this tender little hope that we put out there and we say like, we happened and like, we matter and our story matters and we are worthy. And it's just so fucking precious. Like it, it moves me to tears every time I think about it. So, oh God. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a lot. And that is part of this too, I think. Leaving something, you know, reinstating that we are all important as we are. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Whether or not someone's listening. <laughs> we'll see. 
We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we won't. Are you out there, aliens? Send me a message. I do live in New Mexico, so I'm going to Roswell soon, and I'm really excited <laughs> to hmm. tap into the alien mythology here in the Southwest. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of en- alien energy around there. Oh, yeah. There have been many sightings. Exciting. Have you seen Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind? Of the Third Kind? The Fifth Kind. No. <laughs> you should watch it. Okay. It's about aliens, and I don't traditionally watch any kind, and not much conspiracy alien anything conspiracy too much of it i don't really watch but it starts kind of you might think it's like that it's not it ends in this idea of consciousness and that we might be communicating with the aliens via our consciousness oh yeah and it was the most legitimate alien theory i've ever heard (laughs) and also a really cool perspective on connectivity and communication beyond the physical it sounds fascinating well I regularly watch ancient aliens <laughs> and love it so I'm all for that like conspiracy trash tv about aliens I find it amazing <laughs> and hilarious and also kind of scary <laughs> I, I used to wa- I think I watched the whole series probably when I was younger so maybe I just got bored of it or something <laughs> Oh, okay. So you're a pro. You're a veteran. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a veteran. I. I, I get bored easily with the television. Thankfully, <laughs> that explains why you're an artist. Yeah, I mean it. It is, and you know, some people do. I finally actually um, got a TV in my home just last weekend. <laughs> oh my god! True story. <laughs> I did not ever have a TV like in my my personal home because I, I went through college and then I had an apartment and my boyfriend doesn't really watch tv either so he didn't have, we didn't have a tv that's great I am like so jealous honestly of all the time that <laughs> you must get back why did you finally break down and get one uh there's less things to do because of the uh quarantine and also I do watch movies occasionally and we would watch them like on this computer screen and it could Mm. not navigate the Netflix you'd have to like put your face up into the you know to the screen to be able to find a movie and I was like no this is annoying yeah (laughs) we're gonna do it we're gonna get the tv and now all we've been doing all week is watching the fish tank the virtual (laughs) fish tank So you finally get a TV and then you fucking use it as a fish tank. Yeah, it's also also a fireplace, but. Oh my God. I do like good movies though. The whole reason I'm saying this is because sometimes people (laughs) do think that it's like, oh, I'm like above television. It's really not that. Like I (laughs) I have a short attention span. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's plenty of TVs suited to that. Yeah, Rick and Morty. I like Rick and Morty. That's pretty good for need five stories going at once. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. 
Thank for you. sharing all of your your wisdom. I really like the way that we started out here. I think people will find it fascinating. This yeah. Season thing. Is there a oh, name yeah. for it? I mean, it's seasonality in general. Um, so just living in rhythm with the seasons and cycles of your body, the earth, the moon, the sun. Um, but in, in terms of your menstruation, your menstruality is your entire relationship to your menstrual cycle from your first period until menopause. Um, that's the beautiful word menstruality. And, um, some people call it cycle sovereignty. So like literally, yeah, like seeing the whole cycle, every part of it belongs and witnessing who you are during each phase is as a part of your relationship to wholeness. Um, yeah. Our menstrual cycle awareness works too. <laughs> hmm. Quick question about that. Do you, you think, or do you know that men have anything like that? Do they have their own seasonality? Yeah. So folks with a male reproductive system have a 24 hour hormonal cycle and it's really their testosterone waxing and waning every 24 hours. So it follows the sun, which is why the sun in many cultures, not all, uh, reflects the divine masculine, whereas the sun, whereas the moon reflects the divine feminine. So it's more of a 24 hour cycle. Men tend people with this cycle tend to have more testosterone in the morning. So maybe feeling a little bit, you know, shorter fuse potentially, um, or energetic in the morning and then it wanes in the evening. So it's, it's, it's actually the cycle that our entire work week, work day, society calendar (laughs) was based on. And so a lot of bleeding people really feel like square peg round hole, trying to map this very masculine system onto their very feminine way of being. I hope that in the future all humans can move with their own cycle, whatever that looks like, move energy with their cycle. Yes. I think, I think it is possible, Jasmine. I, I really hope it is. That's, that's a dream of mine as well. And at least, at least we can be aware of our own cycle and certainly not judge it or have any shame around it and hopefully communicate it with maybe partners that don't have the same, the same cycle and have compassion. Yeah. Wish for the world. Yes. And period leave for all. (laughs) Uh, That would be the dream. So I have one last question for you. And this is something that I've been asking every week is I'm going to give you some power here. Okay. You're going I feel to. feel it. <laughs> yeah, step, step into it. I got it. You have the opportunity to give our listeners a challenge for the week. Okay. I actually thought about this. <laughs> 
So yes, listeners, I think that your challenge is going to be witnessing every part of your experience. So maybe it's keeping a journal. Maybe it's recording little voice memos, particularly around the uncomfortable experiences, the painful experiences, you know, the sensations, the emotions, the thoughts that are less comfortable and simply witnessing them. So not judging them. And if you judge them, don't judge your judgment, uh, but notice them, record them because our thoughts are so powerful. I mean, I talk to myself out loud all day long and I do it so that I have to hear what is going on in my inner life so that it will not be subconscious and really intentionally weaving in positive, loving phrases into that tapestry. So witness your experience. And if you're new to this, intentionally try to steer the ship toward, toward compassion always. And that's it. No big deal. (laughs) You got this. Thank you. Thank you for, I really like that you said, don't judge the judging. That's the key, Jasmine, (laughs) because that's the second arrow in Buddhism is when we have a negative experience and then we judge ourselves for it. And that is the most painful form of judgment is the judgment of the self. And we're telling our psyche, we're telling ourselves that we're not worthy when we do that. (laughs) We're telling ourselves what we really think about ourselves. So we do have the power to change it. Even if it feels unnatural at first to say these mantras out loud, I am sovereign in my life. I am the divine. I am a child of God. Say it anyway, do it anyway. And you will change the neural pathways in your brain. And the shortest distance from point A to point B will no longer be judgment. It will be love. I think we should end on that note. (laughs) I think so. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you, Jasmine. This was so fun. I hope you have an amazing week and I'm looking forward to talking with you again. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you guys again next week for more Archives for Aliens. I'm like the meditation teacher that drops F-bombs. That's my brand. So I'm just going with it. (laughs) We should talk about that. We should definitely talk about that. (laughs) I like it. I mean, I I think it makes you more of a real person. Easier to relate to.